This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa la'aqibatu al-muttaqeen. اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. So first and foremost, Sheikh YQ, who dresses like GQ, mashallah, he took my topic because he talked about علو الهمة, which is what I was going to talk about. He says upping the standards, you know, this excuse that but we can't be like them. I can't be like the Sahaba. I can't be like these people that you're talking about. I can't be like them. And I guess inshallah ta'ala, I'll just build on what he talked about. Um, because there's something very popular with that. You know, usually when we're talking about the Sahaba, we have this, this image of like the Avengers. Except instead of a Hulk, we've got Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. He's not big and green, he's big. He doesn't destroy buildings, mashallah, he's pretty strong. All right, I don't know the rest of the stuff, so I know they've got that commercial that's been dubbed on like every other video on YouTube. And I think YM should do that inshallah ta'ala. But... Um, We've got the Sahaba, and you know what? The beauty of the Sahaba is that they were real people. They were human beings. And subhanAllah, whenever you look at the way that the Sahaba were, even amongst them, they're not all the same. Some of the Sahaba were greater than other Sahaba. But as Sheikh Yasser was saying, the lower Sahaba, the lower amongst the Sahaba did not let that stop them. They observed the good deeds of the others, and they tried to keep up with the higher of the Sahaba. And it starts off with really just that wanting to be like them. The, high, the people that you see that are, that are role models, the people that you see of faith, whether they are sahaba, whether they're tabi'een, whether they're, they're people that you just look up to, people that are taking all of the good deeds in the masjid, it starts off with just wanting to be like them. Just having a sincere desire. And that can go so far. I'll give you this example. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once he was sitting with the Sahaba and Rasulullah said that there will be 70,000 people that, were that will enter into Jannah without any form of accountability and without any form of punishment. Now can you imagine what goes through our head? And by the way, the Prophet of course he said Allah will take another 70,000 with each one of the 70,000 and then two handfuls and so on and so forth. So it became expanded, so don't feel destroyed. The point is, is that when you hear a hadith like that, let's say that was the end. 70,000 people get to make it to Jannah. Without any form of accountability, without any form of punishment. Imagine all of the thousands of years of Muslims, like, how am I going to be one of them? I've got to compete with over 10,000 Sahaba in Fath Mecca alone. <laughs> so that brings it down to 60,000. Then the Tabi'een and the Tabat. You've already got way more than 70,000 in just those first three generations. And the Prophet ﷺ said, they're the first three generations. Wow, I've got no hope. I've got no chance. Now there's a Sahabi who's sitting there by the name of Ukasha radiallahu anhu. Ukasha is not a famous companion. Ukasha is not from the 10 guaranteed paradise. Ukasha is not one of, you know, from the highest class of Sahaba. And in fact, I challenge any one of you, brothers or sisters, to find another hadith, not using your iPhone, about Rukasha. So he's, he's the average Mo. He's just the Sahabi that's there, and he's one of the other Sahaba. But that didn't stop him. He didn't sit there and think to himself, like, man, I'm in trouble. 
Rukasha said right away, Ya Rasulullah, Adullah and Akuna Minhum. Make dua to Allah that I am amongst them. And the Prophet said, Anta minhum. Congratulations, you are one of them. So then some of the other Sahaba woke up. They said, Whoa, it's that easy? So another Sahabi said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah and Akuna Minhum. Make dua that I'm amongst them. The Prophet said, Sabaqaka biha ukasha. Ukasha beat you to it. You just want to be there. He didn't think to himself about his limited circumstances. He didn't think that, you know what, I'm not Abu Bakr or Umar or Uthman or Ali. I'm not any of those Sahaba. I'm just Ukasha. And how many of you can tell me who Ukasha's dad was? Ukasha bin who? What? I can't even hear you, so it doesn't count. Either way, the point is, the point is, is that for the most part, nobody knows. But this is how the Sahaba were. In another incident, Um Haram bintu Milhan radiallahu ta'ala anha was sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Prophet sallallahu slept in her house. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam woke up from a dream and he started laughing. He was smiling and laughing sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, may Allah keep you happy, may Allah keep you smiling, may Allah keep you laughing. What did you see in your dream? So he said to her, I saw a group of people from my ummah spreading Islam through the seas. These were desert Arabs. They were terrified of water. And that's why even in the, in the battles with the Persians, whenever they eventually fought on water, basically their strategy was to take a bunch of boats and to tie them all together to turn it into a virtual land on water. <laughs> they hated water. These were not marines. These were desert Arabs. So the Prophet ﷺ was smiling and he was laughing because he saw that his ummah, a group of his ummah would even go to that length. Even though they were afraid of water, they would spread Islam through the seas. Nam Haram radiallahu anha, she did not say to herself, well, I'm a woman. You know how sometimes the sisters probably feel whenever they're listening to all these great ahadith about you know, uh, people that that are uh, going to Fajr and Jama'ah and stuff like that, they just sit there and go, oh well. The Hafid of Qur'an kid, because the trophy Hafid is almost never a girl in the family. It's usually a boy, you know, so that we can live our lives in Haram. Let's just have a trophy Hafid kid. Uh, so the sisters will sit back and be like, ah, it's not me. You know, I'll wait till he gets back to the other hadith. I'll wait till he starts talking about Aisha again. She didn't think that way. And she didn't think to herself, well, I'm never going to be in battle. And I can't travel by seas. She said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, make dua that I am amongst them. I don't care how or why. Somehow, I want to be one of those people. I know that I can't be one of those people, technically speaking. It doesn't all make sense. It doesn't all add up. But I want to be one of those people. And Rasulullah ﷺ granted her that. And she was married to the great companion, Ubadat ibn Samat radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And they were under Muawiyah radiallahu anhu and traveling the seas for the fath, for the opening of Cyprus. She accompanied her husband Ubadah to Cyprus. Whenever they got to Cyprus, as she was getting out of the ship, she tripped and she fell and she died. Subhanallah. Until today, if you go to Cyprus, you can find her grave there. She didn't think to herself, 
It's not possible. I can't be those people. Technically, it doesn't add up, but it's not about that. If you are sincere, when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be amongst them, Allah will make it happen. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu used to make dua, Allahumma inni as'aluka shahada fi sabilik. Oh Allah, I ask you shahada in your way. In the city of your Prophet And his daughter Hafsa radiallahu anha says, you know, how are you going to die a martyr in Medina? This is the stronghold. This is the fortress. Right? People will die as martyrs outside of Medina. SubhanAllah, he doesn't care about how it adds up. He just wanted it. And him wanting it was enough for Allah to grant him shahada martyrdom, not only in the city of the Prophet ﷺ, in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, and then to be buried next to the Prophet ﷺ. You want it, it will happen. But how bad do you really want it? So that's the first thing, and I'll come back to it inshallah ta'ala a little bit later. Wanting it enough. Number two, love the righteous. Love the sahaba. Develop a love for the Prophet ﷺ. Try to, try to admire them, learn to really respect them, learn to really appreciate them. And Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, he has a very famous poem where he says, أُحِبُّ الصَّالِحِينَ وَلَسْتُ مِنْهُمْ I love the righteous, but I am not amongst them. لَعَلِّي أَنْ أَنَالَ بِهِمْ شَفَاعَةً So that I might be able to gain their intercession. وَأَكْرَهُ مَنْ تِجَارَتُهُ الْمَعَاصِي وَإِنْ كُنَّا سَوِيًّا فِي الْبِضَاعَةً And I hate the one who trades in sins, although we have the same inventory. Said, I love the righteous, but I'm not amongst them. I'm trying, but I'm not amongst them. And I hate the sinner, but I am amongst him. And Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, he heard that. He heard his teacher, Imam al-Shafi'i, say that. And he's thinking to himself, well, if Imam al-Shafi'i is saying that, what does that make me? So he said to Imam al-Shafi'i, تُحِبُّ الصَّالِحِينَ وَأَنْتَ مِنْهُمْ You love the righteous, and you truly are amongst them. وَمِنْكُمْ سَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ الشَّفَاعَةَ And from you... Others will gain intercession. He said, and you hate the one whose trade is in sin. May Allah protect us from evil deeds. But in essence, this mentality, I love the righteous. I love the sahaba. I love the callers to Allah's way. I sincerely love them and I want to be like them. And you develop that love and that, is enough, that could be enough to get you into Jannah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked a young man, a person who said he wants Jannah. The Prophet sallallahu said, what have you prepared for it? He said, I didn't prepare much salah, not too much prayer, not too much fasting, you know, not too much charity. He said, but I did prepare my love for you. All I have is that I love you. I know that I love you. In another incident, a man, young man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he was crying. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, What's making you cry? And he said, Oh Messenger of Allah, you know, my life right now, anytime I want to see you, I just come to the masjid and I see you. I can be with you anytime I want to be with you. You're there, ﷺ. I know that I can see you. He said, Then I remembered a day that I will die, and he's put his own death before the death of the Prophet ﷺ, out of his adab with the Prophet ﷺ. I will die, and we will part, and I'll no longer be with you. 
And he said, and even if I get to Jannah, so he knows he's in Jannah, or he thinks he's in Jannah because he's obviously a good young person. Even if I make it there, I know you're going to be in a level that I won't be able to reach. You'll be somewhere in Jannah. You'll be in Al-Firdaus. I can't get all the way up there. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, سَتَكُونَ مَعْمَنْ أَحْبَبْتْ You will be with the one whom you love. Rasulullah said this statement to over 15 companions. You will be with the one who you love. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu who narrates one of the incidents where that took place. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu when he heard the Prophet say that, he said, then I'm set. He said, I'm set. I love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I love Abu Bakr. And I love Umar. I'm set. <laughs> If I'm going to be with those guys in Jannah, I'm set. So now think about this for a moment. So we can't be like them. Well, the reason why you would want to be like them is the first place is so you can be with them in Jannah. How about starting off with developing that connection? Loving them. Do you know how much better your salah gets whenever you read the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ? And you read the lives of the companions. Do you know how much your own relationship improves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why? Because I love them. I might not have prepared anything else, but I love them. Also recognize the circumstances that you are in. You know, while we're talking about the Avengers and the Sahaba, whenever we're thinking of that, what do many of us think? We can't be like them. Rasulullah said in the hadith of Abu Tha'laba radiallahu anhu, Inna min wara'ikum ayyam sabr He's talking to the Sahaba. He says, verily behind you, ahead of you, are days which will require great patience. And subhanallah, the Prophet said, describing the way that, how, how hard it would be to have patience and to do righteous deeds, he says, مِثْلُ قَبْلٍ عَلَى الْجَمْرِ To take a burning piece of charcoal. And the Prophet said that for one who acts in those days is the reward of 50. So the Sahaba said, wait a minute, Ya Rasulullah, أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ مِنْهُمْ This is how they thought good deeds. The reward of 50 of them and the Prophet ﷺ said, no, 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 no. أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ مِنْكُمْ The reward of 50 of you. When we think of the Sahaba of the Prophet ﷺ, and we think, man, if I lived in those times, I would definitely be like Abu Bakr. How do you know you wouldn't be like Abu Jahl? He was pretty smart too. His name was Abu Al-Hakam, the father of wisdom. Oh, but you know, the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, we would hear those amazing khutbas. You imagine praying behind the Prophet ﷺ, the effect that it would have on your life. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the chief of the hypocrites, prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ for years and it had no effect on him. Don't always just assume, man, those guys were lucky. They got to be with the Prophet ﷺ. Yeah, they also had to be beaten to a point of death, not just put through some, some humiliation at the airport. They had to be beaten, they had to struggle, they had to give up their lives for following the Prophet ﷺ and forsaking a present desire for the sake of a future promise. But they did it anyway. And it's funny because some, you know, this year in Hajj, I had a young man, subhanAllah, you, want, you know, usually when people want to leave Islam, they want to leave Islam for, for something, you know, you know, that's a very common atheist, they'll sound a very common atheist theme. You know what this guy told me? He said, Allah is not fair. In Hajj, I said, how come? This was this year in Hajj. And this was a person who was born Muslim. He said, how come Allah allows these people in Mecca, who aren't very nice people, and some of the people of Mecca are very nice people, but you know, when you're in Hajj especially, 
Man, you don't want to buy anything. When you go to a shop in Hajj and you want to buy something, the store owner is going to make you feel like, you know, <laughs> you got to work for this tawb. You've got to work for this. He will degrade you and be, talk about bad customer service. So this guy's like, Allah's not fair. How come these people get the reward of a hundred thousand salah just because they live here? And we live in the States and we don't get any of that. And I said, why don't you think in the opposite way and think, how come they don't have the opportunity for da'wah that I have living amongst non-Muslims? You know how many times people in the Muslim countries will say, man, you guys are lucky, you get to do da'wah. We never see anyone take shahada. We never see anyone take shahada. You imagine if someone took shahada at your hands, and Rasulullah said, it's better for you than red camels. And some of you are like, what are red camels? It's better for you than a Lexus, than a McLaren, than a, uh, what is it, Bugatti or Bugatti with a gha. It's with a gha. Bugatti, that's how it's read. It's better for you than any of that, meaning it's better than the world and anything that's in the world. One person takes shahad on your hands, and people in the Middle East are saying, those Muslims are so lucky in America. They don't know what they've got. If someone takes shahad on their hands, they can pray, and they get the reward of their salah, they can fast, and they get the reward of their fasting. Meaning everybody has their circumstances, and Allah will judge you according to your circumstances, and how you acted in accordance with those circumstances. And that's why Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As who he says something very powerful. You know, usually when we think about it, it's like it's harder to be Muslim here. It's harder to be a hafiz. I mean, it's harder to, to read Qur'an whenever you're outside of the environment of Qur'an and stuff like that. And subhanAllah, it's true. It is harder. It's harder to be a good Muslim out of the masjid. Just like it's easier not to be a drug addict when you're not in rehab. Okay, it's harder to be a good Muslim outside of the masjid. And that's why sometimes, you know, we'll see people who, mashallah, are hafid Qur'an, and they lead tarawih, but they're also hafid a lot of other stuff. That's not very good. <laughs> and them being hafid Qur'an does not absolve them from being hafid all the other stuff. And leading tarawih does not absolve them from all of that. In essence, what happens? When we create this, this, this vision, where we are supposed to be religious only in the masjid, where everything has to be utopian, ideal in the masjid, everyone has to act religious in the masjid, but outside, you're fair game. You don't need to worry about developing your iman outside whenever you face real situations and real issues outside. Because you're supposed to be worrying about making sure that you're respecting the masjid and acting the way you're supposed to act and all of that. Basically what we're doing is we're forgetting the ayah, They are the ones who Allah tested their hearts for faith. And Umar ibn Khattab anhu said, the one who is tested is not equal to the one who is not tested. Do you know what would happen to a zoo animal if you took him out the zoo and you put him in the wilderness? He's a big bad animal inside the zoo. He probably scares you. Okay? Shamu can pick on trainers, but if you threw Shamu, into an actual ocean with other killer worlds after he's been spoiled in SeaWorld, he's not gonna live. He's not gonna survive. None of those animals would make it because they've been sheltered in the zoo the whole time. So the fact that you can hold your faith inshallah, and I wanna congratulate all of you. May Allah bless all of you who are here. Everyone say Ameen. Because you could be in much worse places. You could be in much worse places. That is high in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as your intention is right because Allah will reward you according to that. And that's why Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As radiallahu anhu said, 
لخير أعمله اليوم أحب إلي من مثليه مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. For me to do a good deed today is more beloved to me, is, is twice as beloved to me as doing a good deed while I was in the presence of the Prophet That sounds blasphemous. Oh my God. Imagine Rasulullah is the fundraiser and you give sadaqah. The Prophet is the one giving khutbah. The Prophet is the one leading salah and you're praying behind him. You imagine how awesome that would be. What are you talking about? How could you say it's twice as beloved to, for me to do something when the Prophet ﷺ passed away? He says, لِأَنَّا كُنَّا مَعْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَهِمُّنَا الْآخِرَةِ وَلَا تَهِمُّنَا الدُّنْيَا When we were with the Prophet ﷺ, we didn't care about dunya. All we cared about was akhirah. But now, قَدْ مَالَتْ بِنَا الدُّنْيَا Now after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, now the dunya is attacking us from every side. Meaning circumstances count. Circumstances count. So you prepare by wanting to be like them. You love those people. At the same time, you recognize your circumstances. And you know what? It might be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you and I a higher place in Jannah, inshallah ta'ala, than people that are better than us. I want to share with you all a very interesting narration. It's narrated by Talha ibn Ubaidullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And it's an authentic hadith. In Silsila Sahiha in Ibn Majah. Talha radiallahu anhu says, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was standing with two other men in front of the gates of paradise. And we were waiting to be called. And with me, the two men that were with me, one of them, they both accepted Islam at the same time. One of them lived a year longer than the other. But the one who died a year earlier, He died in battle and he was a better he was better in his charity he was more he, he struggled more fi sabilillah So he's saying you know we're standing there and and we're waiting to be called and the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls first the man who was the least in terms of struggle to come to Jannah He gets called to the gates first Then he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the second one to be called the other person that was with them to be called Then he says, as for me, I was told that it's not your time yet. And I woke up. Now Talha radiallahu anhu is greater than person number two who was called. And person number two is greater than person number one that was called. So Talha radiallahu anhu, as was the habit of the Sahaba, they would share their dreams with the Prophet ﷺ, their good dreams with the Prophet ﷺ and the companions. He says this to the Prophet ﷺ in the, in the presence of the Sahaba. And the Sahaba are shocked. They're like, well, wait a minute. The guy that got called first, he wasn't as good as the second one. And so Rasulullah ﷺ, he says, مِنْ أَيِّ ذَلِكَ تَعْجَبُونَ What are you surprised about? So they said, Ya Rasulullah, the, first, the, the one that got called second, he died in battle, he died shaheed, and he, was, he struggled more fi sabilillah. So in essence, he was a better Muslim, right? I mean, you saw this person and he died in shaheed. The other guy, he died a year later, he didn't die in battle. And at the same time, he did not have as much salah and as much zakat and as much charity. as He didn't do as much as the other guy. So Rasulullah says, and listen very closely because we are at the gates of Ramadan, inshaAllah, but we might not make it. Allahumma balighna Ramadan. Allahumma ameen. Listen very closely. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, Alaysa hadha, isn't it that this person, 
Isn't it that he lived a year longer than the other person? And he caught Ramadan, he caught an extra Ramadan, and he fasted in that Ramadan, and he prayed such and such, and made such and such sujood in that year. And he said, yes. And the Prophet says, Then what is between them in terms of rank is greater than the distance between the heavens and the earth. Allahu Akbar. Ramadan's coming up inshallah. Make the most of it. But the last thing I want to leave you with, dear brothers and sisters, because a lot of times, again, Sahaba, we can't be like them. We want to be like them, but we can't be like them. When you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way Ukasha did, and the way Um Haram did, to be amongst those people, how sincere are you in that dua? I want to share with you the story of an incredible individual. Incredible individual. Wallahi, one of the most incredible individuals that lived in the last hundred years. And you know what? One of the most incredible individuals in history. A man by the name of a Shaykh Abdul Hamid Kishk rahimahullah ta'ala. Shaykh Kishk rahimahullah didn't die 200 years ago or 300 years ago. He died in 1996. And a Shaykh Kishk rahimahullah was a righteous man. A scholar who truly spoke from the heart who till today in the Arab world, you know, like people blast Lil Wayne today, people blast Sheikh Kishk in the Arab world, even people that aren't that religious. Cars are shaking from the voice of Sheikh Kishk, rahimahullah ta'ala. I'm not saying they'll blast the other stuff too. They do that stuff too. But till today, you can hear his voice and it's so powerful. And this man, subhanAllah, his dua was mustajab. He made dua and it was answered. He once made dua against Muammar Qaddafi, the leader of Libya. He made dua against him and he said, Oh Qaddafi, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that one day your people will pull you from the sewers and will throw you away in an undisclosed location, a place where no one will find you. And that's exactly what happened to him. So his dua was serious business. I'm not saying he was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas anhu, but his dua was serious. As Shaykh Kishk rahimahullah ta'ala, one night, he goes to sleep and he sees a dream. And he sees in that dream, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells him, Sallim ala Umar. Give salam to Umar. So he's telling this dream. He says, فَسَلَّمْتُ عَلَيْهِ I gave my salam to him. To Umar ibn al-Khattab. وَسَقَطُّ بَيْنَهُمَا مَيِّتًا And I fell dead between Rasulullah Sallallahu and Umar ibn al-Khattab. Now some of you might be thinking, wow, that must mean Umar is evil. No, no. From a standpoint of dream interpretation, Al-Umar min al-Umar, life. I gave my life to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And then he says, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam picked me up and he did ghusl of me with his own two hands. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He did my ghusl. And I'm watching this dream. I'm watching myself in my dream being washed by the Prophet ﷺ. And it's a Friday morning and he's telling, he's telling the family members, because every Friday morning they gather together to eat breakfast before Jum'ah. He's telling his family members about this dream that he had. And his wife says to him, why are you sharing this when the Prophet ﷺ said that you're not supposed to speak of bad dreams? 
He said to her, what makes you think this is a bad dream? He says, Wallahi, I wish things would happen exactly as they happened in the dream. Now, Sheikh Abdul Hamid Kishk, rahimahullah ta'ala, used to make a very powerful dua in many of his khutbas. He used to say, Allahumma ahyini imama, wa amitni imama, wa hshurni bayna yadayk wa ana sajidun laka ya rabbil alameen. Oh Allah, allow me to live as an imam, and to die as an imam. And to be resurrected between your hands in your presence while I am making sujood to you, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Ya Rabbil Alameen, O Lord of the Worlds. I want to die in sujood. And that day when he sees that dream, the day of Friday, the day of December 6th, 1996, when he turned 63 years old and he was so happy because he realized that was the age the Prophet died at, he makes wudu. And he goes into his salah on the day of Friday. And he goes into his sujood. And he never gets back up. He lived as an imam. He died as an imam on Yawm al-Jumu'ah. And he was resurrected with his Lord while he was in sujood to him. As-sidq fi dua When you are truthful in your dua. Laytani akun ma'an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh, how I wish I could be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Woe to me when I, if I fail to achieve that presence. When you ask Allah, Oh Allah, I love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I love Abu Bakr. I love Aisha. If you are truthful when you say that, and if you are truthful when you say you want to be like them, then on the day of judgment in Al-Jannah, Abu Bakr will be your neighbor. You love him, here he is. Aisha will be your neighbor. You love her, here she is. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be your neighbor in Jannatul Firdaus, insha'Allah. You love him, here he is. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from as-siddiqoon, was-sabiqoon, was-salihoon, wal-mukhlisoon. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran ala husni istima'akum. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullahi wa lakum. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.